Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hello, Vertonians. Welcome to the Tuckerway Podcast, coming to you in the wake of a somewhat predictable defeat to Tottenham, Everton's second Premier League loss in succession, and on the eve of another difficult away assignment, this time at Newcastle tomorrow night. We have a skeleton crew this evening, as the bulk of the podcast team is otherwise engaged with work and family commitments, so it's just Paul and myself. Uh, Paul, the frustration uh, in North London on Saturday aside, how are you, my friend? Yeah, fine, thanks, London. Yeah, good. Um... Yeah, a bit frustrating, wasn't it, on um, on Saturday night? Like you said, kind of predictable, wasn't it? I think, like, it, I remember saying last week, we all kind of just kind of thought, oh, well, I mean, yeah, we'll probably have a bit of a go. And or did we have a bit of a go? We, we'll probably, you know, hang in there and do okay. And then, yeah, probably come out the wrong side of it. And that's kind of exactly what happened, really. And it just struck me. And it's not surprising that the results, I suppose, in hindsight, the last two games. What just struck me is, like, it, we're just not bloody good enough when it comes to sort of trying yeah. to compete with the in the at the top end of the ta- top end of the table. We're just not good enough, um, and that's you know no slight sight on a uh, slight on Frank Lampard or you know that the work that they're doing there. Just it's it's the quality of you know the quality of personnel, the time taken to sort of uh, get to that level, and the investment required. You know what I mean investment required spent wisely. I think it's fair to say because Everton have spent money these last. Uh, you know, over the years and not done it well, but um, yeah, we're just just not good enough to, to compete in that in that area. And I suppose it's it just brings us that back down back down to earth a little bit, doesn't it? Following you know a little bit of a run, a couple of wins, a bit of a you know a few few decent results, and you thought yeah we could be going somewhere. You never know, but um, I think it's a bit of a reality check the last couple of games and uh, might yeah be be another tough one tomorrow. We'll have to have to see how we go how we go there. Um, Probably a bit more of a of an opportunity tomorrow, I would say. We'll probably go into the Newcastle game a bit later on, but uh, yeah, just reality check. Just yeah, we just can't. You know, 
likely or this throughout the season. Just watched a bit of the Palace game on the telly before, and uh, you know, look at them coming up on on Saturday. Good chance we'll beat Palace, and good chance we we beat Wolves, and good chance you know the teams around there that I think you know it says yeah. that Everton will be fine. We'll, we'll win plenty of them games and be fine. But when it comes to them teams in the top six, particularly away. It's hard to see Evan getting anything at all realistically, isn't it? And that's just um, just the way it is for most of the league, unfortunately. So yeah, it's a bit of a bit of a reality, um, bit of a real, reality call, really. Yeah, it's annoying, isn't it? Because the results are, are predictable, and I suppose we are where we largely thought we would be. But you know, it's that kind of any given Sunday thing where you would just like us to have a bit more against the better teams. Few people really expected us to beat Spurs, but then when you look at the chances that we had, you know, the opportunities are there. We're just creating so few of them that 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 you put you know, you put it puts so much pressure on the players to to take the ones that we get. Um so yeah, I think I mean I've <laughs> we've been saying all season really, haven't we, that it's it's gonna take time. It's 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 gonna be a patience thing, but yeah, you still want to, to go an entire 45 minutes without having a shot, let alone a shot on target, yeah. just a shot. It, it, it does kind of boil everything down to the the attacking limitations that we have, doesn't it, really? Um, and, and when you look at the way that we, you know, the chances that we created against Liverpool, um, you know, the, the, the way that we played at Brentford and Leeds, you know, we showed that we we do have enough about us to cause teams problems, um, but obviously against the the, the the real top quality sides, we're really going to come up short. Um, and it, I suppose it puts the emphasis on what we can do in January. Who knows what we're going to be able to do then? But uh, I mean, in the meantime, yeah, Lampard's got to got to try and find some solutions um, to this because um, otherwise we're going to struggle, aren't we? Yeah, that's it. I mean, I guess what I mean one thing with like sort of trying to hang in the game and just like you know you know play out, try and play out a draw, hang in there. You you need some sort of attack and threat, and the, the second half we didn't have any. You need some you need some sort of you know some sort of go to, and the, the, you know okay, there's a few opportunities in the first half. Um, both of which he should, should have done better with. Really, I did notice that the ball bobbled up kind of both times. I thought as they both sort of went to strike, particularly for an honour. I noticed that. Yeah, and that, that that might sound uh, yeah, straw clutching, but um, one of them things, isn't it? I mean, yeah, I don't know. Maybe like uh, you get into that position, maybe when he's a bit more adapted to the pace of the Premier League and on, and then maybe regardless of the bobble, he puts it away. I don't know. Just one of them things. It's unfortunate. Yeah. Maybe you should go over the ball a bit better anyway. Yeah, but um, yeah, that was fortunate that that happened. Um, I, I'm reluctant to blame either them two players purely because they um them two opportunities they did it all themselves like yeah it wasn't right. you know yeah particularly on honor okay uh great came he came from a a pass into him it's got but it's it was him who got into the got across the wrong side of the defense of his of his defender and you know got ahead of him and got the shot away so it's just down to real good work by those two to create the opportunity so you wonder if they hadn't been canny in them areas where would we have had any any of these shots in the game let alone those two which were off target so um 
Yeah, it was a bit frustrating. I was, I was watching the match and um, I was out for the meet fortieth in in the in, in the city centre. It's uh, I don't even it's been years and years since I watched the Everton play in the city centre. I think last time I watched Everton play in the city centre was with with you after the the Palace game and we re- we watched the V one of the Palace game in the <laughs> yeah. in the Henry Castle. That was uh, it was never going to be as much fun as that. But I was watching a few mates who uh, support of uh, you support a couple of you know a few support Liverpool, a few support Man U, etc. And they they were just saying why are Everton just having a bit of a go with it was like sort of, you know, 70 minutes gone, whatever it was, and 1-0 down. It's felt like just, you know, throw caution to the wind a bit more. And they just didn't seem to really find a, find a way, did they, to, um, to, to, to trouble them. Um, I'm impressed with what I'm seeing from James Garner and his two introductions. I think uh, mm-hmm. I'd like to see, I don't know how he gets in, in the team, who he comes in for, how whether that's a change for me. But I'd like to see him somehow in the team. And that's... How they do that, I'm not. I don't know. That's that's up to Frank and the team to, to to decide. But he's shown enough to me to suggest that he could maybe be that spark, which might just create a bit more. You know what I mean? Um, from the midfield, perhaps um, if he can get in. But uh, yeah. Um, again, it's, it's expected defeat. Frustrating with the with the goal. Um, the first goal. The um, yeah. Probably a bit more. Probably a bit more frustrated with the mistake than the dive. I think. I mean, the dive. It's one of them things which we know Kane will do that. Strikers will do that, or or players dive. And now it's hard to really complain when it goes against you. Really diving because all all players kind of do. It's more frustrating with the the penalty that with you know that the the mistake from Pickford really. But again, it's it's hard to it's hard to criticise Jordan really given how well he's been performing for well, throughout the entire entire calendar year really. Um, so yeah, that that was frustrating. Maybe. If we, I don't know, maybe got to a certain point in the game at 0-0, it might just maybe have been a different story. Who knows? But um, yeah, a better team won. It's it's hard to complain too much, really. Yeah, the the Kane penalty thing is annoying in the context of the Richarlison Lloris situation last season. Oh yeah, where they're quite similar. I mean, you know, they're they're quite similar um, borderline decisions, if you like. Um, I, I sort of re- re- reviewed the the Kane decision or the, the incident a few times, and it, it seems to me, and I, I think I'm a bit of a in the minority on this, but it does seem as though Pickford hits his thigh with enough force to actually give him enough to go down. And so, from that perspective, you know, I'm not too, I, I can't really fault the referee too much. What I what I don't understand is why, who decides when they go to the monitor. And not and what what's the threshold for that? You know, it's just the the VAR decisions just don't seem to be consistent in the way that they're you know reviewed or analysed or you know it just seems to be forensically analysed for some teams, not others. And then when they are for us, the decision goes against us anyway. So yeah. I don't know. But when you look at the Larice thing um, with Richarlison last season, you know, and I think there was a similar decision that was that wasn't given to us at Anfield against Liverpool. It's just those kinds of that, those kinds of inconsistencies, which are the things that are always going to irk me about you know penalties and 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 where the bar is for that. Mm, totally agree. The, the I'd forgotten about the Lavis one last season. It was uh, what was the most frustrating thing with that was we had the ball and the, the Charles had actually got up and carried on playing on and had the ball and then after all that it was drop ball to Spurs or something like that, wasn't it? it was like, so we didn't even have the opportunity to. So the referee blows up and then. There was no foul by anybody, but <laughs> Tottenham get the ball back for some reason, if I recall. It was something like that anyway. But yeah, yeah, it's like a lack of consistency, right? You could compare. I mean, I don't know. 
I don't know if I'm going to be cynical. You can compare, like, I don't know how, how quickly, say, am I going back to last season, how quickly Anthony Gordon got booked at Anfield, for example, in comparison mm-hmm. to, you know, there was, Harry Kane was never, there was never going to be a, a, a moment where it was going to be, oh, I'm going, actually, I think he's tried to play on that. He's going to get booked for this. You know what I mean? And if you want to go, uh, go back through, you can look at, like, Omar on the ass and stuff like that, can't you? You know what I mean? So it's, uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah, we'd be here all day if we, <laughs> if we start that, won't we? But, uh, yeah, probably as well. Just, uh, do you know what I mean, drawing the line under it. Maybe there'll be, yeah, some sort of redemption for us, and that at some point, hey, maybe, maybe tomorrow, uh, Dominic Cavalier and does a similar thing and goes down a little easy, and we get the penalty, and you know, it, it, hopefully it levels out. You know, the Evertonian yeah. in this tells us it won't, but <laughs> hopefully that levels out from <laughs> the season. And uh, yeah, cause it's it's frustrating. Um, I just basically try and try and do. It, it doesn't seem to be any sort of. Um, feeling or any any idea to try and do anything about diving at all to me? Yeah, I mean that, that that's that's what I'd like them to sort of like rather than just like sporadically go like Gordon was right. You you know just every so often book a player. Yeah, I mean just the, more, yeah. more often than not, there's no there's no fear no feeling towards getting and you know punishing any players for for diving. I think it should be more scrutiny on it, bigger punishments for it, and then I'm sure they'd st- st- soon stop doing it. Um, but. It's just not on the agenda at all. So um, you kind of you kind of think, why wouldn't players dive at the moment? Because <laughs> I guess they're not going to get punished for it, and they're not going to, and the chances are they're going to get a decision. You know, so um, yeah, it's hard to hard to criticize players for diving because everyone does it, and the punishment isn't there. So, and you'd think it would be a a fairly easy a fairly easy thing to establish some consistency over. You know, the the the, the PGMOL and the referees in general have so much. Um, thrown at them and, and they're criticized for so much you'd think that they would find some kind of easy wins and that would that would be one of them you know take a hard line against it um and eradicate it but as as you say i'm not expecting that to happen anytime soon and i'm not expecting the decisions to uh, even themselves out over the season for us <laughs> No, and the, the, the worst ones with them aren't they, is when, like, say a team's given a penalty, and then they look at it again and they go, "Oh no, hang on, there's no contact there." So they're basically saying, like, "Oh, he's then the other ones was actually get overturned." But they say, "No, you got that one, you got to overturn it." Why are they never yellow cards? <laughs> it's when it's like, yeah, when it's like as clear as day, you're actually not given the penalty because he's dived. But you're like, oh. <laughs> it's just uh, I don't know. Room one hundred and one for me definitely is uh, <laughs> it's just inconsistency with. Uh, with uh, the sort of bar calls on penalties and diving, etc., yeah, it does does drive you yeah. mad. Absolutely. Um, all right, so that one's that one's in the bin, and hopefully in the in the rearview <laughs> mirror. Um, you know, a midweek a midweek game away in Newcastle. <laughs> I know you have some yeah. thoughts on this. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, we we seem to have Newcastle away quite a lot on a when, and it seems to be midweek quite often. A lot, of the, a lot of the time around about December, I think, um, or at least it has been previously. Um, I'm sure there's always been times when we've, we've played Newcastle Boxing Day or around Christmas, and you know, sometimes here, mm-hmm. sometimes there, which is stupid for everybody because obviously the travel. There's no, there's no reason why they can't sort of regionalise that. But okay, this happens. You get like a, a midweek game away on a Wednesday in Newcastle sometimes, and okay, fine. It's it 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 is what it is. But it's just if you're gonna if you're gonna give um, and again these the, the fixtures flow up. Every so often, don't they? You get like two home games on a spin, or two away games, obviously, or obviously two away games on a spin. That happens yeah. fine. Um, but if you're going to do them like that, don't. Surely it's a bit unfair to send the fans all the way to London on a Saturday, and then all the way to Newcastle on a on a on a Wednesday. Particularly if all the way to London on a Saturday is is at a point when 
uh, it's it's a late kickoff and you can't get a train back. Yeah, you know I mean because because it's too late to get a train back at the time the game finishes. Um, if the trains are even running, <laughs> if the trains are even running, that's a good point. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, they, they overlooked that uh, that big issue. But like, um, it's just yeah. I mean, it, it, I just find it. Could he not put a late train on if they if they really have to make yeah you know I mean like make this late um make this game like could he not put one more train on yeah to to cover stuff like that could he yeah. just not you know could he could he just regionalize if they really did, could he on the Saturday could he just regionalize the, the the midweek game after that a little bit more is it you know would would, be, would Villa away or City away something like that really be too much to ask instead yeah you know I mean like it's 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 just ridiculous I don't I don't see why it doesn't seem like it'd be I don't know. All the all the variables which go into the thirty eight games. I'm sure it's not not as simple as just go and you know pick this here and there. But is it really that difficult to say? You know, like oh, hang on, that's you know, let's make that one a little bit simpler. And you know, I mean, I just I just find it a bit a bit unfair. I mean, it's it's not unfair on me. I'm I'm, I'm I, I didn't go to Tottenham. I'm not, I'm not going to Newcastle. But there's right. as you all know, a hardcore contingent who do go to every game no matter what. And uh, yeah, you feel for them. It's uh, it's it's a couple of long journeys. Um, and just figure it's something that's, that surely could be could be avoided with just a bit of common sense, really, with um, with, with planning. That's all. Um, just yeah, it would just frustrate the hell out of me. I think if it was going to them games. Yeah, absolutely. I was actually look, I was trying to remember the last time we played Newcastle when it wasn't under the lights at either venue. <laughs> it looks like we played them during the daytime. Both times in the lock in the lockdown season, so that didn't help supporters at all. <laughs> but it, it does seem, um, you know, the the, new, the one where we we threw away that two 0 lead that was on, that was an evening game. It just seems to be that we play Newcastle on midweek or under the lights remember, quite a lot, don't we? Yeah, since I think about Carlo Ancelotti's first was it maybe his first away win, or certainly played there quite early into his. Into his regime. Um, yeah, you're right. Yeah, that was a 3 p.m. Yeah. kickoff Saturday. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's just so. We, we used to always like going down to Newcastle, and we'd, we'd often stay down for the night and just like yeah, we'd go uh, catch the match, stay at a hotel, have a, have a night out, and all that. And um, it just feels like forever. And it's one of the things I tend to often look to, and it just feels like forever since uh, since of. Uh, you know, able to do that. I'm a bit older now. I'm not so sure we'd be doing it anymore. When we were a bit younger, it was just something that was always we'd look, we'd look forward to. And uh, obviously, they got relegated for a season as well. It's just, um, yeah, that, look, that's not the only reason. Obviously, it's just uh, generally just for supporters overall. I think it's 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 tough on them having to having to do that on a you know in in, in midweek and. It's a long, long way, and particularly following an away game. Yeah, I mean, if it, if it just gets thrown up in midweek, it's one of them things. Okay, fine, but that shouldn't follow away at Spurs. Yeah, you know I mean, it shouldn't be away at Spurs and then away at Newcastle. Yeah, you know I mean, I just think it's something they can look at. Often saying there doesn't doesn't seem to be an awful lot of regard for supporters with these sort of things. Um, did Man United? I think recently their their, their game away at Chelsea, I think, just got moved. Like just like just just for sudden, they're, they're like they're playing in a few weeks Chelsea away. And they moved it from the straight away to a five thirty kickoff, and they took away something like five hundred Man U tickets to people who'd already bought tickets and probably booked transport down there. So just stuff like that. It just uh, just kind of drives you a bit mad. And if you if you were going to all the games, obviously it would. Um, yeah, I just think it's a little bit unfair. So, well, I mean, it does affect us because we have one of the you know, the biggest traveling followings in the in the division. So, you know, as yeah. you say, it's it is hard on those who do travel. Um, but as far as the game itself goes, I mean, obviously not as difficult on paper as Tottenham, but 
certainly not going to be an easy game by any stretch. I mean, Newcastle have been doing really well under um, Eddie Howe. They've got some some signings who have really settled in there. I mean, we're going to have the same the same the same problems given our lack of you know attacking output, um, and it seems as though the the consensus, at least on social media, is that they want Frank Lampard to change something. <laughs> what that change is, um, and and is it you know is it going to a back five, and is it putting you know your most creative player at right wing back? Is that you know is that the right way to go? It's um, it's it's not an easy one, is it? No, not at all. No, um, yeah, it's very tough because then. It should, by all rights, be a be a good midfield three. Um, the 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 one that we got, the the, the three that we got, and I thought of them actually on on Saturday. I thought Owen Arna was probably the pick of them actually. Um, I know Wobi gets generally all the plaudits and rightly so for the way he's played all season. But Onana just someone looked the most lively for me. I think I was actually advocated before the game to maybe maybe take him out. Yeah, I mean we actually turned out to be probably the best one of the three, and probably had the best chance as well. Um. Yeah, I'd be, I'd be stuck on what to do. You're right. I wouldn't particularly want to put a Wobie at right back, just because, you know, just to accommodate somebody else. He's, he, he should he should be there in the midfield. Um, yeah, I'm not too sure. It's um, it's a tough one. Um, I don't see a lot of changes to the team, um, whether there should be or not. I don't really see an awful lot happening. Surely Anthony Gordon comes in for Dwight McNeil. He looked exhausted by the end, by the end of the game. To Dwight. Um, it was kind of seem a no-brainer anyway. Really, we, we did this. We did this. Gordon's sort of pace and uh, outlet, I think. And yeah, I'd like him running at the uh, the Newcastle um, Newcastle fullback. I don't know if um, if Dominic uh, Calvert Lewin is a, is ready to start a game. I'd probably say not quite. He's uh, building it up. I'd probably say maybe Palace at home might be a bit more realistic if you get like. Where you get maybe an hour out of him. Um, I think he might just be off the bench again. Um, and you feel sorry for Mopey, Neil Mopey up there. He's, he's, he's really sort of running a, you know, a lone, lone role up there. He's uh, desperately starved of service. He's not really getting any, anything up there. And yeah, yeah. It's, the, it's not the way we should be using him really. Um, so I'm still, I don't know, I feel, I'm a bit more optimistic about the game than what I was for the Spurs game. Um, Newcastle seems to have had a lot of draws. They've had a few good wins lately and a good draw at Old Trafford. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, you can score past them, you can get at them, you, know, you can hang in there. We might just uh, be able to sneak a point there uh, tomorrow, um, which would do us the world of good, really, going into the Palace game at home. Um, so I'm quite optimistic. Yeah, it's. It's. I think it will probably be a more open game. Um, but, you know, in many ways that might not favor us because they've got, you know, they've got quite a lot of um, creativity up, you know, up front. Yeah, going back to Neil Mope, it's one thing to be a lone striker in a Brighton team that's got lots of sort of players buzzing in and around the box, you know, the way that Graham Potter had them playing and, and they're still still playing that way, judging by what I was watching tonight um, on uh, under, their, under the new manager. Um you know he's he's not tall enough to be the target man. Um, mm-hmm. You know he holds the ball up well enough at times, but uh, he's I think as we were saying, and was it last week or, or on a previous pod, is he's you know he he needs to be fed in the box, and that's something just we're not doing. We're not getting nearly enough touches in the opposition box. Yeah. Um, so how you change that 
with the current personnel, um, you know, is a difficult one. Reading between the lines um, from Frank Lampard's press conference today, it doesn't seem as though he thinks that Calvert-Lewin is ready to start. Um, he still seems to be on this very kind of cautious patient, which I don't actually have a problem with. Um, I think it's 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 right that he's ready for the matches that we really should be winning. You know, and, and if he can come off the bench and just provide something and maybe, as you say, get us a point at, at a place like Newcastle, then then that's a bonus. But I think it's um I think it's wise given just how frequently he's broken down over the last twelve months trying to make a comeback. I don't I didn't get the impression there were any mind games on Lampard's part yeah. where, you know, might sort of sneak him into the into the starting lineup. But uh he would certainly certainly give us a different a different dimension. Yeah, and, and open up that sort of aerial game, which we really haven't been able to get going. Yeah, I think like the he's, he's come in, hasn't he, and done the um, you know, what's he played like twenty minutes in in the uh, against Man United, and, and then did he get on for thirty overall against Tottenham or whatever that was? A little bit more anyway, yeah. twenty five. But and he's looked okay, hasn't he? I think he's looked he's looked quite he's looked he's looked apart. I mean. The comparison I'm trying to make is uh, when he came, when he first came back last season under Rafa Benitez, and he, he did he have to play a full game against um, against Brighton? He missed a penalty and just looked so off the pace. It was mm-hmm. it was crazy. It was criminal. He, 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 he played them a full a full game actually, but when Rafa was too busy falling out with Luca Dean at the time, so it's probably realised. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, um, and it was, it was, oh, it's God. God, how, how much of a how much of a nightmare was that? Was that period, by the way, um, awful. But um, but then yeah, then he, yeah, yeah, and then when he so he was out, he was out for a while again. Then he he came back and it, like fits fits and starts under Frank Lampard. And he came and he came back uh, then and again didn't look right, did he? It took quite it took probably right up until maybe the Brentford game, like there towards the end of the season. He finally thought, oh, okay. Dominic looks yeah. like he could uh, could make an impact there, and sure enough, he did against Palace just in the nick of time. It shows how important he can be, um, and shows the difference that we're missing. Like you say, Mopey's not going to win anything in the air. Dominic, he's, he's good at holding the ball at Mopey. You've give, give, given the chance to do that, and he, he can, mm-hmm. you know, for, for, for the size, he's quite strong. But Dominic can again still that be- do that better. He's more predatory in the box. You know, he's more of a complete rounded striker. I don't know if there's, if there's possibly a way to play the two of them. Maybe not on maybe not on Wednesday, but could Mopey play in? You know, might be another option coming in from the side. Or be going with a four-four-two, or I don't know. It could be options to to get them both because it, it, just because when Dominic becomes available, it doesn't necessarily have to mean that Mopey can't be in as well. Is what is what I'm trying to get to. So maybe I just have to have to think a bit a bit differently because we're just not getting anything else in and around them um, to to create opportunities really. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm I'm comfortable with the with the cautious better than back. He's looking okay in the games that he's coming in. Let's mm-hmm. uh, yeah, just build it up slowly and yeah, just when he's ready to start, whether that be Palace or whether that's the week after, you know, better man and get him get him right. You'd rather be ready for the season than rushing him back and always oh, injured again, etc. etc. So if they're doing the right thing by that, you can't rush it. It's a shame we haven't got more quality there. It's a shame we can't count on say Rondon. Yeah, into like someone a bit better to you know to, to come in and and uh, play an hour. Yeah. You know what I mean? We just haven't really got got the options, unfortunately. And then, um, as we've said before, that just shows the limitations of the squad. And when I say at the start of the show, um, we're just not quite good enough. It's it's for situations like that. We just don't we just don't have the the personnel. And we got we got good personnel scattered around the team. We've got in certain areas some good players. 
who can compete well, um, but we don't have it throughout the squad. And that's something that is going to take time. Um, and that's the, the one thing we sort of keep coming back to is the good thing is it's not going to be a case where we're going to be in the bottom bottom few places and scrapping around. We've got enough there to be around about a mid-table team. And as we keep coming back to, that's in reality probably all we could have asked for at the start of the season, really. So just because we had a good run and not a bad run, it just gets just got everyone, including me, a little bit. Oh, you never know. We could just do something a little bit better than that here. But uh, yeah, I guess if you're going to keep your feet on the ground, that's the reality of it. But yeah, we'll score more goals. We'll have more opportunities once we get a, a fully fit Dominic Carver-Lewin. So it's important that we get a fully fit Dominic Carver-Lewin. And if this is the way it is until then, then, then so be it, I suppose. Yeah, and I'd like to see him and Mopay play together. Um, not, you know, as you say, it might not be tomorrow night, um, but I think that otherwise you might just be trading one sort of isolated lone striker for another. You know, um, yeah. and if you've if you've got three, as we I think we discussed last week, if you've got three wingers, none of whom are all that consistent, I think there's definitely room um, for experimenting with the system and playing Mopay as that kind of. Well, the one who, who plays off Calvert Lewin, the way Richarlison did, um, and I think it benefits it benefits Calvert Lewin because it makes space for him. You know, one of one of the good things about having Richarlison up there with Calvert Lewin is that he takes defenders with him, and that you know obviously creates space and opportunities for um, for Dom. So, yeah, I think you know it's we've got we've got plenty of time to, to of the season to uh, to see how they can play together. Um, I think. Again, going back to if we do have anything to um, to spend in January, I think by the time we get there, they'll have a pretty good idea of what we need, um, and hopefully, <laughs> hopefully, who we can go out and go out and get, which I think would make them it would make a big difference because as I say, we've 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 harped on about what what an impressive midfield we have on its day, and it is a foundation, it's a platform, but it's a platform that, does, that has nothing to really feed up front right now and that's 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 the the key isn't it oh yeah definitely um how how will the i mean the transfer window it, it, it's just it is january again obviously right i mean that yeah. what i'm getting at is they've got quite a long time obviously with the world cup world cup on to sort of maybe you know plan them things and you know you'd like to think get get some get whatever deals they need to do lined up incomings and and outgoings you know so you probably expect expect to see a fair a fair bit more movement in January throughout the league than perhaps you normally do because it's purely for that reason. And, um, you know, I think perhaps the bigger teams might start looking as well. Like, well, a lot of players might, might really, those who've gone to the World Cup might really end up being a bit tired come the end of the season, you know, yeah. come sort of March and injuries and fatigue might set in. So, yeah, I think it would have like a, a busier January. And then if, 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 if players are leaving them, you know, if, play, if, if them clubs are sort of, um, buying players it kind of usually leaves some other players surplus in other areas if you know what I mean so it, it could just be some opportunities there to get players in so oh, yeah it might, it might end up being a, a busy January throughout the league perhaps we'll, uh, we'll see but yeah, maybe not having any pennies in the in the jar might uh, might <laughs> might hamper us there. We'll have to we'll have to see. See, uh, see well, who that, comes and goes. That's the thing isn't it? That's, that, that's the yeah. big unknown. That's the big unknown. You know and plus the um you know, the World Cup always throws up a bit of a, uh, a transfer scramble because there's always a few names that really light it up. You know, yeah. you never know how they're going to perform. Well, if they've never been played in the Premier League, you never know how they're going to perform. I remember um, looking at, I think it was Ahmed Musa, who 
who ended up at Leicester and was a complete flop, but he looked absolutely amazing at the World Cup. I was like, well, can we, could we get him? Um, so yeah, yeah, you never know, but yeah, it always throws a bit of a, um, a bit of a spanner into the, into the transfer works, the, the World Cup. So we have to see what, uh, what that does. Yeah. The, um, yeah, you'd always like, it used to be a way that you'd, you'd see the uh, the players in the World Cup you'd never heard of before. And like, wow, and, you'd, 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 and players were just signed just, just like that. I mean, mm-hmm. Liverpool spent a fair penny on El Haz Dayouf and uh, Dayao, I think, didn't they? Just on the back of a couple of performances from Senegal. Yeah. Uh, neither of them, obviously, you know, both flops would be, you know, I mean, well, a flop wouldn't be harsh for Dayao. Dayouf was obviously, a, you know, he was a bit of a personality problem I think when it came to yeah, he how was. he behaved in the league you know but like uh, you know neither were obviously the, the answer and stuff like that but that was just an example at the top of my head I think you'd like to think now at least the, all the scouting's a lot better now and the, the, all these players are kind of on clubs radars these days than they are then but you're right it doesn't mean that the clubs aren't stupid and still won't go oh well he scored a couple of goals against Iran <laughs> yeah. and USA let's get it <laughs> let's sign let's sign him so yeah we'll, uh, we'll see how that goes one thing about um, just well I remember though is uh with Dominic Calvert-Lewin at Newcastle. I was just having a look before, and he has he has scored a lot of goals at St. James's Park in the last few seasons. He, um, yes, he has. Yeah, four and four games. Uh, to, so um, we only won one of them, unfortunately. But um, yeah, so um, not a good record there lately. We used to do quite well there for a little while. We got some good results. Yeah, we did. But, um, yeah. Lost the last two, two-one. Um, one two one on the Carlo Ancelotti, and then the one before that, I think you mentioned before, we were we were two up and blew it, didn't we? And lost lost three two. Um, since number one of the got their goals, I think six players are offside. I think bizarrely in, in one movement, and the uh, and and it stood. <laughs> so, uh, but uh, I'll have to get a fleece fame with that, and <laughs> just just to remind myself. But uh, yeah, so yeah, three defeats in the last four, and. Uh, I'd like to think we're due a win or at least due a result, certainly due a performance. I think the last two performances have been pretty pretty poor at St. James's Park. So um yeah I'm I'm reasonably optimistic we can get a point. One maybe worrying that perhaps it shouldn't be as Jordan Pickford often seems to struggle there. He gets a he gets a lot of stick from the crowd and again it often seems to be a Wednesday and then <laughs> yeah, like when when they're all G'd up and uh yeah, so hopefully he can keep himself calm, particularly after he made a bit of an error last weekend. If he can, if he can keep his head calm, the rest of the fence can sort of just keep his in it, you know. And just uh, we've got to surely, Frank's looked at it, and he must feel we've got to be more, more defensive. We've got to be able to carry more of a threat going forward. Yeah. Newcastle, you know, they concede enough goals. It's you know, it, it it could be it should be an opportunity. So I'm fancying us to get a point there tomorrow. Yeah, they don't have a top class defense. They have, you know, as I said, no. as I said before, they're really good going forward, but they don't have, a, you know, they have a fairly rudimentary defense. Um, so, I, yeah, I, I like you. I would like us to, you know, sort of keep it tight and stay in the game, but then just have a go and just have a real yeah. go at them because, as we've shown, you know, we have we have the players who can do it. Um, I think it's just a, just a different mindset, um, and yeah, hopefully we can throw Dom on late on and and, and get something. A point yeah. would be great, you know, to to um, to get some some confidence back, you know, and the, the the losing run, and then go into you know to Palace at home, and hopefully give them a real good go. Well, in view of tomorrow night's opposition, uh, we'll move on to our weekly question, uh, and this week it's who's your least favourite and your favourite player to have played for both the Magpies and the Blues. 
I'll give the favourite first. There's there's a couple of standouts. Um, uh, it'd obviously be Duncan Ferguson for me. The not not the best. There's there's a couple there's a couple of probably better definitely better players there who've played for both uh, both teams. But uh, yeah, just in the the era, the genre of growing up in, watching watching Everton, favourite player would uh would, would be Duncan Ferguson, and yeah, it's it's a shame Al's not on this this podcast because he'd be happy yeah. to uh, <laughs> yeah, whack, whack more lyrically about Duncan than than, than I could, but uh yeah, and uh, that'd be my favourite, um least favourite, um purely because of the uh, acrimonious nature of his departure would be would be Dan Gosling, um. Obviously, he was uh, famous, obviously, for scoring one uh, one good goal um, in the Merseyside derby. And, um, yeah, I mean, he, he looked okay, Dan, didn't he? As, like, a, as, as, as that implied, you definitely ever really thought, oh, wow, he's going to, you know, he's going he's gonna to boss it. He, he thought, like, yeah, he, he, he's handy. He, he, he's developing. He could be a good player. He, he was a Moyes player, the four. He could play in a few positions. Moyes, you know, like that sort of player. Probably would have done. He had a bad injury, um, but probably would have gone on to have a reasonable career at Everton for a few years. You would have thought had he stayed on, but um, just this like finding like you know a loophole and uh, you know sort of engineering a move away from Goodison with his um, uh, with his sort of legal team and all that just didn't sit too didn't sit too well the way that uh, the way he left really. Um, so that'd be my one for for least favoured. Yeah, I don't think I can look past um, Dan Gosling. It was interesting looking at the list, how few players have sort of played for both. Um, the only one, and there was nothing wrong with Mark Ottinger whatsoever, but he wasn't sort of a stellar, <laughs> you know, a stellar player. So I, I couldn't really pick him as a player that I that was really my least favorite for any justifiable reason <laughs> other than that. But as you say, um, yeah, Dan Gosling, it was just sort of an instance of a player who seemed just seemed to get way beyond his station had uh, inflated opinion of himself and obviously thought that uh, you know getting away from Everton was was best for him it'd be interesting to see how he would have done because he was just sort of seen to be you know after that goal that goal against Liverpool that he sort of the stock was rising and he seemed to sort of be getting mm. more part more, more part of the team and then you look at what's happened to him since and you know I suppose it was uh <laughs> a blessing in disguise, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, so yeah, he could have been like a like a hero based on that. Like I suppose just like and like yeah, who knows he's just been been like a decent, you know, handy enough player. Yeah, like uh, like an Osman was sort of thing. Like Yeah, or, um, or just like a Gareth Farrelly who, you know, had his moment, yeah. his Everton moment and but it wasn't sullied by the fact that, you know, as I see he engineered a, a move for free away. <laughs> Yeah, just read a quote before from that. Actually, I remember like something about like what David Moyes said at the time. Uh, David Moyes said when he when he left, uh, I read at the weekend that he cried when he didn't receive a formal written offer. He said, "Well, trust me, the money Everton were offering was certainly not a crying matter." I'll trust I'll, I'll, I'll trust David Moyes' judgment on that one. So, uh, yeah. yeah, well, uh, you know, we'll never know. But um, yeah, yeah, just. Yeah, it's a shame more than anything else. And you know, he wouldn't have been a star, but he could have been a handy player. And I felt like Evan were looking after him quite well. Just for like, you know, you talk about like players, teams stabbing players in the back. It tends to normally be supporters just going a bit up on arms as a player leaves. It felt a bit in this yeah. instance that he did stab us in the back a little bit. That was the, the frustration for me with that one. Agreed. <clears throat> Agreed. In terms of my favorite player, I, my relationship with Duncan Ferguson was always a bit complicated with him as a player. Um, mm-hmm. I think. It was funny. I was looking back um, at an article that I wrote 
I think back in 2000, was it 2006 when he left? And this is actually a discussion I'd like to have at some point about what you know, the threshold for an Everton legend. Because um, at the time I wrote that Duncan Ferguson didn't qualify, but I think everything that's transpired since, and particularly, you know, him coming in as, as caretaker manager and, and I think you can. There's almost no question now that he is a Goodison legend, not in terms so much in terms of achievement, but just in terms of what he meant to the club. He was a frustrating player because I, I, I've I felt that managers used his height as too much of a crutch at times. I think we play we were a long ball team for for um, some of the early days of Moyes. He was just yeah, as I say. People, the managers just used to rely too much on his height, and I think it restricted the way that we played. And then it was obviously his disciplinary record as well, which uh, um, yeah. which always always rankled with me. Um, but as I say, he's, he's <laughs> what sort of with, with the passage of time and water on the bridge and um, his achievements as as a, as a coach and a manager, I think has has really sort of changed the way I think about him. So that in that context, I I would probably say that. Um, with honourable mention to Gary Speed, who again left in acrimonious circumstances, mm-hmm. um, and there's plenty of rumours as to you know and speculation as to why that was. But I, I really liked him as a player. But I think that my favourite who's played for both teams would be Peter Beardsley, and I think it's a it's a crime that he didn't play for us longer. And there's always <clears throat> there's there's been a debate since as to why Howard sold him when he did um, at the time that he did, um, but he was a um, the kind of player that you you never thought would would cross the park and and yet did, and was was brilliant for us at a time when uh, you know we didn't have too many heroes. So I think he would be mine. Yeah, great show. Obviously, uh, Peter Beardsley, um, uh, Paul Bracewell, obviously be one probably the the biggest hero of the lot. Maybe 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 probably more so than Duncan in a lot of ways. But yeah, Peter Beardsley. I don't recall them too. Uh, it was a little bit before my time, his his time at Everton. I don't recall him. You know, I remember him a little bit being at Everton. I, but I do remember him, like, ripping it up when he's a little bit older in the Premier League still at Newcastle um, mm. after that. And I just remember and, and to England still. And so I think he was a really, really good player. And I wish I'd have, wish I'd have seen someone like him back in. <laughs> well, we certainly missed him, didn't we, in the in the years after we left. You know what I mean? Yeah. Once he, you know, he's, uh, we really, that was a, a real period of struggle for Everton, wasn't it, for, for a few years after that. So um, he was certainly missed. And, yeah, really, really good player. Did he score... He scored a penalty against Liverpool in a 2-1 win, if I recall. Um, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Mike Hooper being in goal, rings a bell with that one. But, like, uh, yeah, um, yeah, great player. That's a good, that's, that, that, that's a good shout. Um, what, 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 what if the question was managers? Like, uh, <laughs> you got a short list of... Uh, <laughs> You got a short list of Gordon. Well, Gordon Lee would win hands down. I'm sure you're a short list of Gordon Lee, Sam Allardyce, and uh, Rafa Benitez. So <laughs> probably would have been, would have been uh, yes. maybe a more difficult there's, question. There's any question, even given you know, Gordon Lee's somewhat checkered, <laughs> not checkered, <laughs> but uh, I, I suppose there is a debate around Gordon Gordon Lee. You know, in terms of where he stands as Everton manager. But when you, you put him up yeah. against those two, there is no question. <laughs> oh, good grief. Yeah. <laughs> All in the Mashiri vein as well. She's <laughs> both of those two. Yeah, that's right. That's right. <laughs> All right. Well, we'll uh, we'll leave it there uh, for now. Uh, in terms of when we'll be back, we're going to try and do something immediately post or soon after um, 
soon after tomorrow's game against Newcastle and uh, get some of the, the gang back for that one. So until then, fingers crossed that uh, the Blues can pull something out of the bag tomorrow night at Newcastle, grab at least a point, set us up for the home game against Palace. Uh, so until then, take care and up the toffees. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 